uh, the upcoming federal election, which we know is on the way. Uh, we're not 100% sure when it's going to happen, but uh, everybody seems to think it's going to happen this year. We'll see an election at some point in 2021. Uh, nothing's been called, of course, but uh, that's the prediction. Uh, and, it, you know, whenever we talk about elections nowadays, we have to talk about the way that they are being affected by largely foreign actors um, and, you know, the foreign interference in our election process. Now, the reporting that's being done here by the president of the Queen's Privy Council uh, is being released and talked about this week. Dominic LeBlanc is the person in charge of that. And he says, quote, Canadians should assume the threat of foreign interference likely will be higher in the next general election than it was in 2019. He says, I think we should just assume that the threat environment and the threat context has increased since our last election. So what does that mean and how can we safeguard against this? Is there anything we are doing, anything we can do to try and put the brakes on this outside interference? So uh, David Levine joins us now. Uh, he is uh, Elections Integrity Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. David, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Okay, thanks for having me. Yeah, so when we take a look at this, I don't think anybody is under the illusion that it was going to stop, but to hear that the um, outside interference in our election process is actually worse now than it was last time around, uh, I mean, obviously that's concerning, it's troubling, we can't seem to put the brakes on this. Yeah, I think you're right, Shay, but I don't think that statement coming from uh, LeBlanc is any surprise. Right. Um, and, and just to step back for a second... When um, you know, Mr. LeBlanc is talking about the threat of foreign interference, we ought to clarify right, what that means. Right? Foreign governments or foreign actors often try and influence the politics and policies of other countries. To, you know, they often are trying to advocate for or trying to shape other countries' foreign policies. Mm-hmm. But when such activities are intended to directly or indirectly affect an election, right, in, in, including candidates, political parties, voters of their preferences, Right. That's often characterized as election influence. And those are right. That's done to manipulate voter preferences and turnout. Right. But if a foreign government is part of those election influence efforts, attempts or takes actions to target the technical aspects of an election, such as the casting and counting of ballots or the reporting of results, that's election interference. And. I think, you know, it, you know, I don't want to put words in, in Mr. LeBlanc's mouth, but, but, but I think he in particular was speaking toward, right, the foreign influence piece, because I think, you know, as the Canadian Center for Cybersecurity wrote in its 2020 National Cyber Threat Assessment, right, online foreign influence activities are a new normal, and, and adversaries are seeking to influence domestic events as well as impact international discourse related to current events, and in addition to that, Right. Well, relative to some countries, Canadians may be lower priority targets for online foreign influence activity. Canada's media ecosystem is closely intertwined with that of the United States yes. and other allies. And that means when their populations are targeted, Canadians could become exposed to online influence as a type of collateral damage. Right. And, and, and certainly I think about the U.S. 2020 presidential election. And so, you know, I think that statement, you know, it, it doesn't come it doesn't come as a surprise. Um, not only because of what sort of Canada has experienced, right, certainly with regards to 2019, but also what we're seeing, right, throughout the world more broadly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I don't know if, if we're necessarily a prime focus of these foreign agents. I would doubt that we aren't. Um, but you, you make a couple of interesting points, and I want to sort of pull them apart a little bit if we can. Um, there are different ways of affecting the outcome of an election. Let's start with what is more common, and, and uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time on social media to see it. Um, 
influencing the electorate. Um, that is that is, that is a campaign that we know started overseas um, and has been continuing ever since. What is the point? How do they do it? What is the method they use? Um, and what is the ultimate goal for them? Sure. That's, a, that's an excellent question, Shane. I, I think one of the things that's worth noting is that, you know, because of COVID, right, we've seen yeah. that more aspects of elections and political campaigns have moved online, right, and there are more opportunities for maligned foreign actors, right, to spread disinformation and mislead democracies about things like how, when, and where to vote. And, and ultimately, you know, there are a number of reasons for this, but one of the biggest is to try and undermine confidence, right, in elections and democracy more broadly. And we know that in Canada... Nearly 70% of Canadian Internet users access your social media site almost every day. 65% report having seen fake news on social media. 43% report having seen fake news on mainstream media. And of those reporting fake news, 90% say they have fell for it at least once. And frankly, this isn't an issue unique to Canada. Um, it's the kind of thing that we've seen across the globe. And, and so I think, you know, one of the things that's, that's really in, in, important about this um, is that you know, what we see is we see foreign adversaries um, going on to social media, right, in, in many cases, right, either being able to amplify information, right, from domestic sources that may not be accurate, or being able to use d- different techniques, right, to be able to push information that they think are likely to pit folks against yeah. one another um, and cause tremendous division. And, and that was one of the things that was so effective, frankly, in, 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 in Russia's efforts in the 2016 election. And frankly, there was success to some extent with regards to that, with regards to the U.S. 2020 presidential election as well. So, David, explain to me, what, how does that benefit Russia? Uh, we, let, let's just say Russia is the one doing the majority of this, okay, let's, for, for discussion purposes. What, 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 is, what is the benefit to them? Is it just saying, hey, look at the West, they're a disaster? Is that, is that all it is? I mean, they're not installing different governments. No, I, so that's a, a good question, and I think a couple points are worth noting, right? Number one, um, you know, Russia, the way they tend to interfere in elections, whether it's with what they did with, in France, right, efforts they've tried in previous elections in Netherlands, the United States, or Germany, right, is, is their interference, their way of going about interfering either in infrastructure or social media campaigns, right, is a crude but cheap way of, of number one, Right, trying to take these countries down a peg. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because I think, you know, Russia is not where it once was on the world stage. It, it does not uh, carry the same weight as, 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 as Russia, um, I mean, excuse me, as China or the United States or other countries. And, and this is a way for them to continue in a, in a very cheap way to sort of assert themselves and make sure that they're known on the world stage. The second thing that I think is really important is that this is a really critical moment for democracy, right? And, yeah. and I think there are countries, authoritarian regimes like Russia, China, and Iran, that think there's an existential threat to them, right? From the mere existence of democracy, they want to be able to put forward an alternative vision, um, right, uh, for, for governance here, Right in the global community, um, and and so democracies that are successful are a direct challenge to that. So being able to demonstrate or amplify democracies' vulnerabilities can be a way for them to put forth their alternative visions for governance more globally. Uh, David, can I get you to hang on for just a minute here? We'll take a quick break and come back and talk about you know the actual election system and how secure that is. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, We'll put you on hold for just a second. David Levine, we're talking to right now, who is the Elections Integrity Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. We'll have more on this discussion right after this. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're chatting with David Levine, the Elections Integrity Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. David, um, we broke down pretty... uh thoroughly, I think, what's going on in terms of influencing the electorate. The bigger concern, and and some of our listeners are weighing in here, what about the actual system itself? Um, How secure is that? I mean, we we heard reports, largely fake, uh, about votes being changed and all sorts of things like that in the United States. Um, How secure is the actual electoral system in our country? Is it vulnerable to these sorts of efforts? Sure, that's a great question, Shay. And, and let me just back up and, and, and say that the Alliance for Securing Democracy partnered with Microsoft, right, and the government of Canada um, to um, to basically launch the, the Community for Countering Election Interference. And that was a multi-stakeholder forum dedicated to raising global awareness of the threat cyber attacks posed to elections and other democratic institutions and for providing strategies for uh, defending against the threat. And that emerged out of the government of France's Paris call for trust and security in cyberspace, right? And so basically, the three of us, Microsoft, ASD, and Canada, wanted to come up with ways to try and prevent interference in electoral processes. And the reason that ASD and Microsoft reached out to the government of Canada was because it had recent experience dealing with the challenges of foreign interference in the run-up to its 2019 election. And frankly, it's widely recognized as the standard bearer for public sector response to foreign interference in elections, right? And there are a couple of reasons for that, right? Number one, in Canadian federal elections, both voting and vote counting are paper-based, right? And so that reduces the prospect of foreign interference in the electoral process itself. And number two, right, Canada has taken a number of steps to protect the functioning of elections, many of them in the run-up to the the 2019 election. Um, We have put some safeguards in place then. What was that? We have put some safeguards in place then. You, you have. I mean, I think one of the biggest ones was passing the Elections Modernization Act. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that was really important was that made it more difficult, right, for foreign actors right. to run political advertisements without disclosing their identity. It made it provide a new offense to computer hacking, right? You've also established a security and intelligence threats to election task force to integrate analysis from different government agencies monitoring online threats to the integrity of an election. And Canada also has a critical election incident public protocol, right, which frankly, you know, drives government decision-making on communicating with the public on threats to the election, right, during sort of the the, the writ period. And that is also really important and I think is a model because it largely removes party politics from the question of foreign interference. Right. So the vulnerability remains then um, the influence over people on social media. Basically, that's what we're looking at. Basically, and I'll add, you know, there are a couple things here and there. You know, one example, which I think is important and worth noting, is that, you know, there are pieces of the election infrastructure that, that can be connected to the Internet. So one example in, in Canada, right, is, is with regards to online registration. Um, but again, even with online registration, right, we saw that the 2016 U.S. election, we saw that Russian-affiliated actors trying to hack, right, online voter registration databases. But we know that there are ways... Right, to have backups in place 
to, to help mitigate those risks. Um, and so I think to your point, the, the, the biggest threat is with regards to foreign influence. Okay, David, thank you so much for the insight this morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. We appreciate it.